name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to watch these sober. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end, where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone even remotely related to Burn Notice, please get in touch. You can send us connections, questions, suggestions, compliments, and absolutely no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. And as always, that is burnnoticed with a D. I did, it did sound like I said criticism, huh? Criticism. <laughs> that's, that's my self-help movement. Oh, criticism. Criticism. Oh, well, I'm glad you went that direction with it and not like it's a criticism of Chris. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I will not allow any criticism. Yes, I, I will also not allow this. Not because I have anything against criticizing Chris, but mostly because it's the rules. Oh, God. I, was, I thought you were going to say because you have a monopoly on it. Yeah, I mean, also that, but I assumed that was an unspoken sort of rule. Yeah. The rule is I can make fun of Chris, and if anyone else does, I'll come to your house and kill you. For legal reasons, this is not a joke. (laughs) (laughs) This is, yeah, no, this is legally binding, this episode. This is legally binding. I'm going to jail. Exactly. Hopefully not before we finish this podcast, because that would haunt me. Exactly. Although you would learn a lot about what it's like to be fee in these episodes. That's true. Maybe I could empathize more. And once I eventually get out for, you know, premeditated murder, uh-huh. I'll, ha- I'll bring a whole new perspective to this podcast. Exactly. Maybe it'll make it more authentic. Right. Maybe finally, finally, we will reach this, the, the, the thing we're trying to get to with this podcast. What is that? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know why we did this. <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. It was a joke, and we had just finished Bree and Chris are depressed and yeah. wanted to continue podcasting together for some goddamn reason. I guess we were really bored the summer of 2019. Yeah, I think we were. And then it quickly snowballed out of control. I think in 2019, I foolishly thought that my life was stabilizing. Sure, yeah. And then it immediately broke. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the world broke. And, and then, then the world broke, Yeah. And you moved. And exactly. We both had at least three existential crises of our yeah. own. Something else happened in there. I don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> but yeah, this this podcast is a lot. But this podcast is a lot, but we love it. I weirdly do. Yeah. Like, I, I obviously complain about it a lot, which is just sort of the way that I yeah, but you experience the world. Exactly, yeah. I experience the world and how it, um, it upsets and... Dis, uh, not discomforts me, but what's what's the word? Disappoints you? No. Uh, inconveniences me. Got it. I see the world in ways in which it inconveniences me. You are like a plant that photosynthesizes inconvenience into complaint. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I do like doing this podcast, and I think it, it has made me a better writer and viewer of television. I thought you were going to say better person, and I'm like, no. No, no, it definitely has made me a worse person, but I think that has less to do with burn notice and more to do with you. So, if I can offer a criticism. <laughs> no, you not. No criticism of any kind. Unless it's for me on this podcast and nowhere else. Exactly. You wouldn't believe it, but I'm so nice to Chris outside of this. I never see anything mean to her, ever. 
It's all, we save it all for here. Yeah, we, we save all of our bile. All of our bile, all of our vitriol for this. Yeah, uh, well, should... I, I, no, we should we should clarify the sobriety. We're both sober right now. Oh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm fine right now. Right, okay. Um, when were you not sober? Normally, I get up on a Saturday. Because mm-hmm. we record these on Sundays. Yes, we record. Dear listeners. Exactly. And so, and I watched two episodes of Burn Notice, and that is, like, my work for the day. Mm-hmm. And then... Once I've done that, I'm off work. The problem is, now I actually work on Saturdays. <laughs> and so I got home from work, and I was like, and I was in the middle of a conversation with someone that we, like, were, and we were talking, and I was just like, well, right now I can't do burn notice. <laughs> so, but I might as well get high while I'm doing this other thing. And then that was done, and I was already high, and I was like, I guess I'm watching burn notice high now. Which is a thing that is legal to do in California. And even if it wasn't, none of you are narcs, right? I think right? we got rid of all the cops. Right, we got rid of all the cops. <laughs> I think the cops know they're not welcome here anymore. I don't know how much that changed my, like, appreciation for burn notice. Like, think... how high were you? I mean, like... Like, buzzed? I mean, like, a fair amount? I don't know. I'd been I've been high I've never been high. I'm a very good girl. Unlike yeah. you, the naughty girl of the podcast. That's true. People often say Christine that. Christine Cherry, bad girl. <laughs> I don't know if it affected my enjoyment. I will say, I have no idea when we get to next week whether or not my episode is good. I have absolutely no idea. Normally I have some idea. I have no idea. But that's for next week. Yeah, this is not great because there are parts of next week's episode that I wasn't 100% paying attention to because I was also watching these episodes very late and sober, mom, and cops. But I, it was very late and I was like, oh, Chris will get it. Chris yeah. always notices things I don't, so. No, I think I noticed everything. I just, like, I think my, especially, like, my perception of the pacing mm-hmm. and, like, how well things were flowing, I have no idea. Okay. Well, I'll try to. We'll figure that out. But again, we'll... that's next week's problem. Yeah. Um, this week, we're talking about season six, episode three. It's called Last Rites. It aired July 28th, 2012. It was written by Ben Watkins and directed by Nick Gomez, which is uh, a first time for him. This is his first of three total Burn Notice directing gigs. I think the rest of them are also this season because they're all 2012 episodes. Nick Gomez doesn't have any like standout credits because he has 73 directing credits, almost all of which are in TV. He's done at least a handful of episodes of every show you've ever heard of a lot of csis a lot of other procedurals a lot of non-procedurals right now he's on new amsterdam he's he's done a bunch of directing for new amsterdam oh wow which is a procedural but like a medical procedural yeah so different so but it's still a procedural yeah yeah but i mean like in in context of crime shows like it's not a crime show exactly um so i do i did look through his bio and he has a very long bio that was provided by his production company which i assume means him and there was like a very early on in the bio there's this very funny series of sentences that i wanted to read to you okay go ahead you usually do the deep dives into directors but i wanted to do one this time all right i'm excited this is my excited mine and nick gomez's moment i'm excited to watch you fly he was a, no- quote, this is important that it's a direct quote from his IMDb page. He was a nomadic spirit who struck out on his own at an early age, dis- ditching Boston for London when he turned 16. He bounced back and forth between London and Boston, worked odd jobs, took up the saxophone, played in a few bands, and got to know quite a few street characters in those in these nomadic years. And he has a one-man show where he's going <laughs> to perform them all for you while he plays the sax. <laughs> 
I just thought it was funny that, first of all, they said nomadic twice. It's really yeah. important we know that he was all over the place. Exactly. He used to be fun. And also the quite a few street characters that he got to know. Nick Gomez did a lot of couch surfing, in other words. <laughs> and everyone this, was a character. This is, it sounds like me trying to explain a long gap in my resume <laughs> in, a, in a cover letter. I have a nomadic spirit. Yeah. And I met quite a few characters. Ask me about them. Wink. <laughs> so I just thought that was fun. That was fun. And and this episode was directed fine. It's, yeah. 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 Good yeah, job, sure. Nick. You're doing a lot of work. Mm. You God bless you, Nick. You're working. Congratulations. Hey, Nick, give us a job. Yeah, give us a job, Nick. Hey, Nick, will you give us a job? We love you, Nick. <laughs> We're nomadic souls. <laughs> we are also nomadic souls for people who never leave our houses, except for to record burn notice. I never leave my house, but my house always changes. That's true. I've lived in a lot of places now. That's true. That's, I, you're definitely more of a nomadic spirit than I am. That's true. I like having a place yeah, to do. be. Anyways, the IMDb description of this episode is Pierce asks Michael to track down her fiancé's killer. Fiona investigates who tried to kill her inside of prison. It's a perfectly serviceable description. Yeah, no, that's, that covers it. That's what I'm happens. glad. I, I will say I had forgotten what the episode was about. <laughs> Perhaps because of the fact that I watched it high, but I read it, I was like, oh, right, that's what that was. I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Spoilers, I enjoyed this one. Yeah, this is a good episode. I had a lot of fun with it. There's a, a, having, like, been the one recapping this one, there's some moments that I'm like, I don't know if that makes sense. And I will say, having enjoyed this episode quite a bit, I think they maybe bit off a little more than they can chew. Just there's a lot to sort of do in this episode. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some logic had to get skipped over just to get us from scene to scene. Because right, there's yeah. just truly so much happening and, like, all of the characters are principal in this. But I I am someone who's always more on board for, like, good stuff than logic. Yeah, and, and I'd rather them do a bigger episode than a lesser episode. Exactly. You know? This isn't the show that I want less from. Right, totally. Like, Burn Notice in its excess is often where it is at its best. Exactly. And just because so often it likes to sit on its laurels. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm always welcoming the excess. I also appreciate, I think some of it's probably because Fee's still stuck in prison. And so there is an inherent urgency to everything that they're doing. Which is, like, if they fool around, then we're like, well, where the fuck is Fee? Why aren't you doing something? So it almost necessitates, like, they have to keep it going at a clip that normally for mid-season episodes aren't great. They are doing a thing this season that they have not really done before. Mm -hmm. Um, And it feels like a reaction to television around them, wherein, like, it is very much structured where, like, each episode ends and sets up the next episode. Mm -hmm. Like, to give, like, momentum. It's like I, I may have said before, it's like good place structuring where, like, the last five minutes is, like, setting up a cliffhanger for next week, setting up a plot for next week. And that would sometimes happen in previous episodes. Yeah, but, but like, um, it's very specifically happy now. There's much less necessity to, like, have episodes feel like they stand alone in that way. Mm-hmm. Where it's embracing a serialization, not, like, not just in, like, a story way, like, 
each episode is its own discrete unit, mm-hmm. but like they're much more connected and they follow one after another. There's like a right order to watch these episodes in, mm-hmm. in a way that's not always the case with the Bernetta season, which is interesting. Yeah, that's true. Even even with their you know consistency of, of season long arcs or half season long arcs, a lot of times like we would go an episode or two without really hearing from that, or there'd be like yeah. one scene. But this feels much more integrated into a longer form story in multiple different ways, which I have enjoyed. No, I have too, and I think. Like, it's sort of interesting. Like, I've always thought that one of the things about this podcast is tracking the trickle-down of serialization. Mm-hmm. Into, into procedural television. Exactly. Into classic procedural television. Yeah. Well, speaking. And this, is, and this is what that looks like. This is what that looks like. And speaking of, let's get into the weeds. All right, let's get into some weeds. Speaking of the, weeds. Speaking of weeds, let's get into the weeds. When did weeds come out? Um, oh, earlier. But I just meant, like, weed because I watched this high. Oh, yeah, that's true. See, yeah. as a good girl who doesn't do the devil's lettuce, I would not naturally go there. I thought we were that's talking about television, which is a very earnest and, and sweet thing for me to think. It is. I, I've often said that you are earnest and sweet. Mm-hmm. These are the two things about me that most people know. Yeah. So uh, we start an episode once again with Fee, this time being briskly offered protective custody and cell block reassignment from the warden, which Fee refuses because in like the, the spy voiceover in a second, Michael's like, so obviously if someone's trying to kill you and you don't know them, you can hide, but that's a short term solution. And if you want to like, finish this you have to kind of put yourself in danger so you can get more data and so that seems to be fee's reasoning is like i don't want protective detail i want to stay where i am leave me alone something else that was weird though is that the very first spy tip because that's the second one that i just mentioned the first one is like when you're in prison you don't want people to know who you are even if the warden knows who you are it can be bad but it seems like the warden despite being like a little rude is fine she's like hey you seem like you're in danger can we help and he's like no fuck you and michael in the voiceover is like yeah fuck you lady well, no, I think it's because in Burn Notice, like, most, like, people who are, like, officials are well-meaning but don't know the situation. Right, but the, the way that the first spy tip was framed, which we will not be going to because it's not a useful tip, is, like, in prison, like, being known is dangerous. Yeah. You don't want to be known, like, you don't want the warden to know who you are, you don't want other prisoners to know who you are, you want to be invisible. Right. But it, again... In text, it seems like being visible to the warden, if she was looking to hide, would have been great. She wasn't because, you know, she's more right, interesting yeah. than most prisoners. But like... She's not like other girls in prison. Exactly. But it but it just, it seemed dissonant to the actual text of yeah. the scene. Because I was assuming that when we get there, she'd like, you know, revoke some privileges from Fiona for starting fights or something. But no, that's not what happened. She's like, you seem like you're clearly in danger. Can I help? And Fiona's like, no. Let me out of here. No, you cannot help. I think that's just a case of, like, Burnos not being able to commit to its own bit because of its other bigger bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but in refusing the protective reassignment, um, she does accept the visitation request of one Mr. Michael Weston. So we will finally see these two in a scene together. I am delighted. But that won't happen until the end of the episode right. because we have other things to deal with. The other things to deal with, uh, first of all, is Fee looking for answers, which is why hiding is not an option. So instead, she goes to find Anne, spelled A-Y-N, a.k.a. anything you need. So here's the thing about (laughs) this moment, is that she said, that's why they call me Anne, anything you need. And so I assumed she meant, like, 
Anne is short for anything. Like, mm-hmm. the Anne is anything. No. But then they, like, show her name in the lower third, and it's spelled A-Y-N. But, mm-hmm. like, that's a name, but that's, like, Ayn? Yeah. Like, that's, like, like Ayn Rand? Yeah. Like, it's so weird that she's, like, Anne, you know, A-Y-N, Anne. But it's, like, you didn't need that. Mm-mm. Like, Anne being short for anything you need also works. Well, not if it's because it, it, otherwise it would just be spelled A N, which isn't as pleasing. Well, no, if, if it's not if it's not an acronym, but it's like it's just a short for like like. But you still Chris need is, to spell it differently. Well, no, but like not necessarily. Like A N N is also not short for anything you need because there's too many N's. Well, yeah, but like we often do that, like when we're shortening names, mm-hmm. you know, like John is short for Jonathan, but we spell change the name the spelling of John. Like I think like. That's fine. I mean, she's spelling it just A-Y-N. And that's fine for her. And again, you can do that. It's just, it seemed weird. <laughs> it did it seem seemed weird. like a weird extra step that didn't need to be there. No. But, you know, I like that she spelled her name kind of stupid. Yeah. It suits her. Great. I enjoy this character immensely, by the way. I do, too. Yeah. Finally, like, wh- whatever happened to the lady, the Taryn what? whatever... Pensataki? Yeah, whatever happened to Pensataki, she's fucking gone. Yeah. Anne seems much more fun. But basically, Anne is like a broker in jail. She will get you anything you need, as yeah. it were. Uh, whether it's information, whether it's smokes, you know, pretty right. much she can get it for you, but it comes at a cost. And normally that cost is money at the commissary, which obviously Fiona doesn't have yet. Although I don't know why it couldn't be like, well, I'll have people put money in there for me. And right. I'll give it to you. Because presumably that's something within their wheelhouse. But no, what Anne actually wants in this case is um, information, or uh, is a favor. We don't right. know what the favor is yet, but we know Fee has blanketly agreed to a favor in order for her to get information on who's trying to kill her. Can I say, the way the scene plays out, Anne says, like, you don't have any money. And then Fee says, do you want a favor? And I was like, are they going to fuck? Is that yeah, th- there was definitely some low-key flirting in there a was lot some of low-key- these scenes. Yeah, and I was waiting, and and something happens in the next episode too that almost seemed like is this going to be some kind of like sexual favor or violence? No, no. Here's the thing: I ship it a little. I don't not ship it. Yeah, no, and we'll talk more next week too. But like, yeah, it just it was weird. Like, it felt like a porn was about to happen. Well, it's it's a prison. Exactly. You know, that's what happens in prison: you fight or you fuck. Exactly. Or in this case, you favor. It was like as if the writers were like so used to like women's prisons going a certain way they're like oh no wait no that's right mm-hmm. this is how people talk in women's prisons yeah exactly they're always about to have sex but uh spoiler alert at least for the next two episodes they do not fuck no they do not fuck not yet but now we head outside of the prison to carlitos where michael is pacing in a gray polo shirt that's tucked into his jeans absurd choice jesse is also there and he's like you have got to chill so apparently michael is nervous because pierce asked to meet him and jesse out in like the open and not at the office and he's like oh no what's gonna happen like is something wrong or whatever and jesse's like no i think it might be good maybe she knows something about anson and then pierce comes up looking like very serious and they're like oh no this is this is not good news and the news that Pierce has is that she got a phone call from Anson and a voicemail where he wants to exchange information about her fiance's killer. Remember from the, yeah, the exactly. tragic backstory? Yeah, she has a tragic backstory. Uh, and it's in, in it, uh, her fiance was killed by someone. And in exchange for helping her like find this guy or in exchange for giving her this information, he is hoping that she will ease up on him. And in the next scene, it's very clear, like, obviously that's not what Anson wants. What Anson wants is for her to, like, fuck around with this dude so that she will get fired and his... T- it will be eased up on, 
like exactly. naturally. He's exactly. not actually expecting her to ease up. He's expecting her to act on emotion, you know, because he's Mr. Brain Guy. Exactly. <laughs> and will get herself in trouble. And the reason that she might get in trouble is because post cold open, we learn that Ahmed, who is the guy that killed her fiance, is like a CIA asset, or at the very least under the protection of the CIA because they're trying to get certain information out of him. And so if she fucks with him or does something that will like the CIA will be pissed because she's not even supposed to know he exists and right. it will destroy her career. Exactly. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. It'll be very bad for her career if she like tries to get at him. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, he has some information. It's very lucky that he happens to have like some information that is apart for, from him. Mm-hmm. That he's not just under protection for another reason. That he's not like a witness or something or something that like they need. Where it's like a really easy way to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that one episode of Bird Notice wherein Michael, it was like a season premiere, and like Michael sees a guy trying to commit suicide because he can't afford med- like to pay his kids' medical bills. But it just so happens that his particular situation is one that is actionable by the burn notice crew because he got like scammed or something. Yeah, and so they could kill the scammer or not kill exactly. the scammer, but they could get the scammer and get the guy's money back and probably some more money in addition to that. Yeah, it's this is one of those places where I really do like this episode, but there are a lot of conveniences. Yeah. So like if the CIA is cuz at first I was just kind of confused, like basically Ahmed has some information on a hard drive that the CAA wants, but they don't know where it is and they've never managed to like figure it out. And so they have to kind of keep their hands off. But the fact that Michael and crew get this done in like less than a week feels like (laughs) they should have been able to get this. It's one thing. It was just in like a safe at a boathouse. Yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) It's in a safe at a boathouse. Like it's so easy to find. Like just fucking. What the fuck has the CIA been doing? Sitting on their asses. Yeah. During the bureaucracy. Thankfully, Michael doesn't need to wait for bureaucracy. But like the, the sort of like overarching tension of this episode is like they need to get this information so that Pierce can like avenge her fiance because otherwise Pierce will like just freak out and kill this dude and then she'll get fired and they will no longer have a woman on the inside of the CIA to like help them get Fiona out. Like no one else is motivated to get Fiona out of jail other than Pierce who like knows everything that's going on. And so like they need to help her in order to keep her on side and keep her like career going. Exactly. Yeah. Cause she will kill this. She will kill this. And I will say like, all credit to Lauren Stimule, she sells it. She sells it so fucking she good. She sells it so hard. Especially when she basically is the, like, fee insert. Because yeah. we, we must always have, like, an angry, like, bloodthirsty woman in the crew. Right. Which I like. Which I do enjoy. You I do enjoy, that. yeah, I do enjoy her being the fee insert while Fee is doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, Lauren Stimule does a great job. Like, I was very impressed with her this entire episode. Like, she... Frankly, Burn Notice doesn't deserve her. No, but she... I will say, season six so far does. Yeah. No, I, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I also agree with that. And that's why you I also... said it. <laughs> so we cut to Sam, because that was just like a lot of exposition of like, what's happening? Who's this guy? What's right. the problem? So we cut to Sam, who's reviewing all these files from Anson. And he concludes that Michael's mouth wrote a check that his butt can't cash, which is an incredible phrase that I will absolutely be working into my everyday vernacular. Wait, hold on. Have you never heard someone say that before? I, not butt. Oh. I've never see, heard the butt part. I've heard like your, your mouth writing a check that you can't, like something else can't cash. But I've never heard butt before. I've, 
I think I've heard that before. And now I'm questioning it, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that is the standard formulation of the phrase. He says it very weirdly and very Bruce uh, Campbell-y. And I liked it. I thought it was cute. And apparently, like, the information and all of this hoopla comes down to a single hard drive that they need to find. And out of basically nowhere but a note that Anson's going on a cruise soon, Sam's like, all right, well, cruise hard drive convince Ahmed he's dying quarantine him on the boat get him to tell us where the thing is <laughs> it's like okay obviously yeah it just the the pl- actual plan comes together in like two lines of dialogue where Sam's like well obviously if there's a cruise involved we have to make him think he's dying so, like quarantine him and get him to start talking on his deathbed again well you know how you do on cruises you know yeah it's that thing where, oh, they always have spy things like this, where it's like... I feel like I would have been okay with it if they said, what about, like, Costa Rica? Yeah. Ooh, in 91? Yeah, that yeah. would work. Like, that I think would have been helpful, but right now it just feels like through immaculate, like, brain inception, like, conception. Like, I think I assumed it was one of those things. But they didn't say... Usually they say they have some cute little title I think for maybe it. they figured it's season six now, they don't have to say it. Yeah, but I like hearing what their little missions were. <laughs> I like I like establishing a timeline. I like their little missions. I like their little missions. <laughs> but yeah, just it's Mommy, like <laughs> I like their little missions. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds so much grosser than a lot of the shit we say on this podcast, but I didn't like it. I don't like it. And I hate it actually. And I wish it would stop. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, so this this idea comes out of nowhere, but it is the thing. And Michael's like, all right, well, for that plan that is fully formed in both of our brains, thanks, Sam, we need six people. Or Sam's like, we need six people. We need three on the boat, at least three on the boat, and then three elsewhere. And Michael's like, I'll get you the people. And Sam's like, huh, what are you going to do? Get your mom and Nate. Remember Nate, who's now in town forever. And Michael's like, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do, Sam. This is exactly 100% what I'm going to do. And Sam's like, okay. And you, you're going to babysit them because you are the Madeline Whisperer. Yeah. Well, so I will say I was a little bit bummed. That it, it makes sense why they did it this way. But I was like, at first I thought, ooh, all the Westons are going on a cruise. And right? I really wanted to see Michael have to like work with his mom and brother as like, and they're just like alone at sea having right. to do a spy mission. Obviously that's not what happened because that doesn't make sense. But a little bit of me was like, I would love to have like Michael sort of, be the CIA, like, handler for his right. mom and Nate in this, like, bizarro, like, closed-off thing. Yeah, I will say, I was a little disappointed with how little it feels like they're on a cruise. I know. Yeah, yeah. There, I feel like they could have done a lot more fun stuff with that. And I imagine budgetary reasons oh, yeah. are what limited them. And also the fact that, like, there's three plots happening simultaneously. There is the the cruise ship plot where they have to lay a lot of expositional groundwork. There is the Bermuda plot where Sam, Nate, and Mama Weston are pretending to be like CDC investigators dealing with the guy's son. And then there's Fiona in prison plot. Right. But I will All of which are happening and have a lot of similar weight in the yeah. episode. But I actually enjoy enjoy though because it does make it feel like a chock full episode. No, definitely. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it's necessarily a problem that it's not more of a cruise episode. That's just me being sad that I like that like the episode ended up being a different thing than the thing that I was imagining. But that's not a criticism of the episode itself. Yeah, eventually maybe our our uh, Halloween spec script will eventually have a, right. a cruise element. Halloween cruise, a boo cruise. <laughs> You have an energy today. <laughs> Listen, well, that yeah. So that all happens. We're we're going we're going cruising. 
Um, but before we go cruising, we got to go check back into the clink, which is, I think, how Sam refers to it, like Fee's in the clink. So in the clink, Fee learns the price of her information, keeping a certain door closed at a certain time for two minutes. To accomplish this task without getting caught, Fee makes Anne a shopping list, which includes a sparkler. So I'm excited. There might be an explosion that Fee gets to do even while locked up. Exactly. Or at least, you know, someone might have a sparkler and sparklers are fun. Yeah. You know, bring some light to the dungeon-like conditions. It's been a while since I've held a sparkler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're not as fun as I remember because, like, it's a lot of, like, dodging the sparks. (laughs) And it is over so quickly that I'm like, why do I... Now I just have to hold this, like, dangerous candle. I hate this. (laughs) That's That's valid. You don't have to have joy in your life. I can find joy other ways. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll, I'll, write, I'll, I'll circle back when I figure out what that joy is. So um, Michael and Pierce go over the bare bones of, like, what their, their plan is with the rest of the Weston clan, who are now, you know, read in to the situation. And Michael eats a yogurt, and Madeline's like, okay, this seems weird. Like... What's happening? Give me more information. You're asking me to do a lot. You're asking me to literally go out of the country with a fake ID. What the fuck is happening? And I'm like, that's a very valid thing to say, Madeline. I nor in earlier seasons it would have just been written off as her being like nagging, like, I just wanna know. And it's like, no, this that's a good reason to wanna know, Madeline. Fair enough. Yeah, this is a very hard, dangerous thing you're being asked to do. Yep, and so Pierce, of course, has to like what what was it called in that therapist TikTok? Trauma dump. Pierce had to trauma oh, dump. Oh, God. Don't talk to me about that therapist. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, we might have to record a whole other episode of Bree and Chris are depressed about that therapist TikTok. Anyways, that's within the zeitgeist right now if you're hearing this in the future. But Pierce trauma dumps and Madeline's like, all right, like, fair enough. I, I get it. I'll go to Bermuda for you. For the overlap of our listeners and people who saw that therapist TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I love that all of our references are like, they're not even like, we're speaking to one very micro part of our audience. It's like, at any given time, we're almost never talking about the thing that most people are listening to us for, which is burn notice. Right. Most of our references, you can't even map out. It's like, we have a, we have the, the big circle in the middle is burn notice. And then there's a bunch of tiny circles, like overlapping slightly and that's right. those intersections are where we spend our time exactly and it's not the same one it's not even a venn diagram i don't even know what that would be called at this point i don't know if you know listeners tell us and also send us a compliment we need it we super need it for reasons so michael finishes his yogurt and everyone's good so then we have a little bit of a, like an exposition dump in the parking lot as as the teams are going their separate ways uh, <laughs> michael in a tan fedora and tan suit <laughs> incredible just that's the cruisiest we got and i really like michael's fucking fashion in this episode is all over the place i because there's another thing that happens another piece that happens later that i'm like what's what who is are you drunk on the job this week wardrobe people what's happening here but anyways milady man pierce jesse and ahmed are going to be at sea so ahmed and his um his bodyguard are going to be at sea with with michael pierce and jesse and then sam sam's best friend nate and ahmed's son are on land so ahmed's son is the reason that they have to have a contingent of the group like on the ground in Bermuda because what they're hoping is once they convince ahmed that he's dying he'll call his son 
And if they have successfully ingratiated themselves with the sun in one way or another, they will be able to overhear what the hard drive is and go pick it up. Right. So that's the plan. Uh, they're moving. Uh, we're now we, we are fully split up. Pierce, because of the you know innate tension of this episode, is like seeing red and is like really trying to hold it together to not kill this man on sight. And we proceed. So on the boat, when Jesse preps uh, or while Jesse preps whatever drugs they're going to use to make Ahmed think that he's dying, Michael is practicing his doctor speak, but oh, is not doing very well. I loved this scene loved so it. much. I feel like. We want scenes like this more. Yes, 100%. And, like, I'm so glad it gave it to us. I remember we talked about a while back that one episode where they, like, burst in and set, like, that bar on fire. Mm-hmm. And we talked... I remember we had a whole bit about how we really wanted to see them prepare their lines for that bar scene. Mm-hmm. And so I was so happy that we got to see Michael practicing his lines. Like, practicing and then, his little doctor speech. And then later, hear him say the lines, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it was really great continuity in episode, and it was, like, a really sweet little behind-the-scenes look, especially because Michael is, like, doing really bad, and Jesse's, like, teasing him for it, and Michael's like, hmm, Fee used to help me with this part, and I was like, oh! Oh, Michael! I think, like, yeah, like, sometimes I feel like they don't show us this stuff so that, like, Michael can seem more impressive. But it's like, no, I want to see it. I want to see, like... Yeah, I want to see the, the sausage whole, get made. That's the whole point of the show, is to show us how spies work. So show us how they get into character. Show us how they memorize their lines. I also really like, though, that, like, the reason that we're seeing this behind the scenes is because a vital part of their team is missing. Exactly. I like that, like, even though they've definitely replaced Fee with a different bloodthirsty woman, <laughs> like, they're they're making it known that there is a void here. And the void is not just that now they have to bring Nate and Madeline in, which they were going to do anyways right. all the time. But, like, there's a very specific Michael-specific need for Fee. I love yeah. that. Yes. I love it. It's very good, and I love it. Then Pierce comes in as they're working on this, and there's a slight wrinkle in that the bodyguard seems very hovery. But Jesse is very confident that they're going to be able to poison this guy without anyone being the wiser. Uh, so they head to the casino. While Jesse goes full Jesse to distract, Pierce poisons the Mark's drink. So there's not a lot that happens in the casino scene. Like, basically... They they put themselves in a position where they get him a new drink. Pierce poisons it, and the way that they get the bodyguard to like look away is Jesse just like really Jesse's it up. I will also it is important for multiple reasons though because in the scene what happens is I guess is, that's fair. Like yeah, Jesse is being real Jesse, mm-hmm. and he like grabs the guy Ahmed's drink instead oh. of his own, mm-hmm. and then drinks Ahmed's drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was like a $100 shot of Johnny Walker Blue. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll get you another drink. So, And they're able to like poison that drink. Mm-hmm. But also it becomes relevant later that Jesse drank homage right. drink. Yeah, it's important that the disease that they're giving him is not airborne, which explains yeah. like a lot of logistics that they get to eventually. But yeah, yeah it also intrinsically ties Jesse to this man. Exactly. You know, for, for consistency later on. And so a few minutes later, Ahmed co- collapses and we're off to the races. So everyone checks in with Michael, who is now wearing a tan cardigan. It is kind of funny to me that Ahmed never questions that it could have been the drink. Because it's like... Yeah, because he downs it instantly, and it's... I mean, we don't really have a great sense of how much time has passed. Yeah. We know between him coming to the hospital and Jesse coming to the hospital, it's about nine hours. Because right. the, the lady doctor on board tells us that. Yeah. So maybe there was a little bit more time. I think they're just kind of skipping through. Maybe, yeah. For, for, con- for you know, 
yeah. speed's sake, for pacing's sake. And this is what I'm saying. It's like there's a lot of stuff in this episode that I love and would absolutely work, but they're packing so much in. It's really like if you if you squint at it, you're like, how did that happen? But like I trust based on how intricately the rest of this episode goes that they have a good way that all of this works. Yeah. And it's more just when you're recapping it directly, it's clearer that there right. are gaps. They just kind of have to fast forward. Exactly. Past certain things. So I'm broadly fine with it. Because again, very much like this episode. Jesse now has to take some of the like poison as well. We I, I'll tell you what the pill is later. Um, but Jesse has to make himself sick to, you know, give us the the impression spread. Yeah, yeah, that there is a thing that needs to be quarantined. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that's like the whole thing is we have to not only convince this guy he's dying, but we have to isolate him so we can control yeah. with how he feels like death. And I'm also assuming they must be continuously poisoning him to kind of keep him yeah. sick. That's another thing. Jesse gets better later. Yeah. That's another thing we don't see, but I am assuming yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So again, I'm willing to like give this episode the benefit of the doubt and a lot of these little logical inconsistencies yeah. because it's So not- I wouldn't even call that a logical in- inconsistency because again, I think it makes a lot of sense that they would be continuing. Mm-hmm. continuing they just don't po- tell us, which yeah. they usually would in an episode where they had less to do. Exactly. So yeah, th- that that's really what I'm saying. It's, it's not about logical inconsistencies. Maybe that's the wrong word, but like where sometimes Burn Notice fails to give us vital information that would explain why the fuck anything is happening. I trust them with the yeah. rest of this episode. So right, I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I buy it. I buy more than I normally would. Right, exactly. That's maybe a better way to put it. So they bring Jesse down to the, uh, on a gurney into the ship's hospital. Uh, and by they, I of course mean Dr. George Penderson, C- CDC, and his wife, Jeannie. And after uh, Dr. George Penderson learns of this first sick passenger, Ahmed, he concludes that it's meningococcus and that they need to do a quarantine. Luckily, he's CDC, Dr. George Penderson, and can take care alone of the two sick knuckleheads. He also then, like, later contrives a reason to send the bodyguard away for testing, and then we never see the bodyguard again. Nope. <laughs> and, again... I'm willing to overlook it, but this feels like given that Pierce came in earlier with like, hey, the body is going to be a problem. He's really hovering. And then also Michael continuously saying it's not airborne. That's not how this is spread. Right. <laughs> Once they clear the bodyguard, because they did not also poison the bodyguard, presumably the bodyguard would come back in. Right? I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's unclear what happened with the bodyguard if they mm-hmm. ever got the jump on him. But they got but him I, off. I didn't even notice. Maybe they got him off. Who knows? Exactly. Well, this is what I'm saying is like, had I just been watching this episode, I probably wouldn't be thinking about it. But because I have to write down everything that happens, I'm like, hang on, we're missing, we're missing a couple of pieces. But again, I'm happy to overlook it because there there are plenty of things that I could have done that I trust that I, based on what else I know from the show, they would have done. Exactly. Yeah. You know, either they just continue to be like, no, you can't come in. We don't want you to get sick. Or they stuffed him in a fucking closet. Like it doesn't matter. Nobody else is checking on this fucking bodyguard. It's fine. They successfully quarantine uh, Ahmed, and they also tell him, they, they ask him, like, who else have you had contact with? Because we already know one person you had contact with is sick. Like, is there anyone in Bermuda that you might have had contact with? And he's like, well, my son and, like, a couple of people around the house. And they're like, well, then we need to go send a team to them. You know, he might be sick, too. And he's like, oh, God, okay. So uh, he calls ahead to let his son know there's some CDC people coming. Before we go to that scene, we're back in prison. In retrospect... It's amazing how willing people are to trust the CDC. I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that I'm like, oh, too close to home. Right? (laughs) Yeah, it's... 
It's a time capsule for sure. Anyways, back in prison, Fee, as Anne is like making her delivery of like all the shit that Fee needed for her arts and crafts, um, she's like, I'm not going to do this for you if it's for a hit. I have a line that I don't cross. Absolutely fucking bullshit. The most bullshit thing I've ever heard Fiona say. They kill people constantly. Her own in-credit sequence is her saying, should we shoot them? Yeah. She's always trying to kill somebody. There's multiple episodes where, like, people have to bodily get her out of a room so she doesn't murder someone. Yeah, I don't know. They decided at some point that, like, Fee was the moral conscience of the show. Despite also being the most violent one on the team. Yeah, and they've never really done a good job of squaring that. And here's the thing. I would accept this if it was a reaction to her accidentally killing the guards because her rashness in attempting to kill one person who deserves it, per the moral compass of the, you know, Bruno's universe, also ended up killing two innocents because somebody manipulated her need for violence. And if it had been a reaction to that more directly, I think I would buy it more. This is one situation in which I can't trust the episode to be putting those two things exactly i do need more from the episode if that is the thing that we're doing and we and we like they they are close because like Anne at multiple points is like so what are you in for and fiona's like something i didn't do and she's like really i thought you were in here for murder right you know and so like there's something in there that they could have done to be like i don't do that not anymore like you know my line used to be a lot fuzzier but it's gotten more concrete exactly you know something like that i would have yeah i would appreciate that and if the season like, kind of paints that off later, then, like, I can look back on this and be like, okay, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. She just um, didn't articulate it in the moment. Exactly. Which is reasonable. I, it just, it's a thing that, like, it feels like a pattern that they've been doing a while where they've kind of retrofitted this personality onto Fee that was not Fee's original personality, and it doesn't feel like a and progression it, but as much tr- as a... But they're trying to keep the old personality, too. Yeah. It's like they basically want her to say one thing and do another. Right, exactly. Although, like, I feel I do think she does a lot less kind of wild, killy type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, it's been an inconsistent journey, so it's hard to buy. Exactly. Um, and so Anne assures her that no death will occur as a result of this favor. Sophie accepts her pillowcase of sparklers and cans of tuna. And um, during a quick montage makes not a bomb, it turns out, but like something else. Like it, it's it's sort of a bomb, sort of like a thing that does a quickie weld. It's like, yeah, it's like. It like welds the door shut briefly until somebody kicks it down. It's definitely pyrotechnics. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they they really lean into the sparkler aspect, which I appreciated. Thought that was fun. It was a cute little visual. It was. So anyways, back in Bermuda, Maddie is playing a nurse who has to convince Ahmed's son to put on like an ankle monitor sized heart monitor on his wrist. So... I, and I wasn't sure if this was for the GPS. There's definitely a GPS inside, which is why it's so bulky. And Madeline's like, I'm not going to be able to convince this guy to wear this. And they're like, no, you have to. Then I was also like, well, maybe there's also a bug in it. It's unclear because there's a couple of things in this next part of the plan. Because basically they just need to monitor the sun so they can find where the stuff is. And they need to monitor the phone call that the dad makes to the sun yeah. to hear that information. But it's unclear where all of the bugs will be planted. Right. Because yeah. in a second. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, let's let's get to that, and we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll talk break, about that. But like, I I didn't 
re-listen to this part because I didn't care that much, but I was like, maybe there's also a bug in his little wrist thing. There's yeah. definitely a GPS, though, so we know that's what that is. Luckily, Michael came by his skills honestly, so uh, Maddie sells the life-saving capabilities of this, you know, giant heart monitor to convince him to wear it with him. Elsewhere in this, like, manner, Sam and Nate go room by room until they find the room no one wants them to go into, which they, of course, talk their way into, and then use some stealthy yogurt to get themselves alone time to plant a bug. Like, they're basically like, oh no, we found the disease. It's in your phone. Yeah, because it's like this, they're using like swabs to like swab for like bacteria. Mm -hmm. And luckily yogurt is full of bacteria. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, which I really enjoyed. It's the yeah. first time that, like, yogurt has been used in a spy tip, I since, think. Since the pilot. Since the pilot. Oh, remember, right, yeah. You remember the pilot? The reason yogurt's a thing is because Michael it, uses it and so he can have cover, like, oh, sorry, I thought it was in my house. I'm just eating a yogurt here. Right, but, like, specifically the yogurt and the properties of yogurt itself. Yeah, which I did like. Again, little it's just this little attention to detail that I love little so much. It's the yogurt sp- science. The specificity of a lot of the stuff in this episode really sells yeah. it for me. Um, so yeah, so they're like, the, to the guy that's like monitoring them in this room, they're like, hey, have you been in here? If you use this phone? And he's like, um, yeah. And they're like, you need to go talk to the nurse right away. Like, this is the source of the infection, which gives them a little bit of time and space to like plant a bug in the phone. But then, of course, the son's like, sees the bodyguard or the other goon or whatever come in and he's like, wait, why are, are they alone? They're alone in the office? What the fuck are you doing? Get out of here. And so he goes in and interrupts Nate as Nate is planting the bug. Why Nate is planting the bug is unclear to me because presumably Sam would be much faster at this than an untrained fucking civilian. I guess the idea is that, like, Nate would be worse at, like, if guards showing up, like, killing people or, like, you know, like, the idea is that, like, Nate can plant a bug because it's a less violence based thing or it's like a I don't know, if it, hasn't Nate been on the wrong side of the law enough times that he's perfectly fine with violence not like but like not in a like spy way well in any Although, case Nate does not successfully plant the bomb fast enough and so they come in and they see the phone just like broken apart on the table and luckily with some quick thinking Sam and Nate are like yeah, this, this phone's fucked up we gotta take the whole thing it's bad and so they leave but they have not successfully planted the bomb or the bug. bug. The bomb. They have not successfully planted the bug, but they did get the GPS heart monitor attached to the guy and they got out clean. Yeah. So I'm like, uh-oh, they don't have a bug. What's going to happen? And then they like instantly put a bug on the fo- the phone in the cruise. And I'm like, wait, then why did they need to plant a bug in the first place? Was it redundancy? Maybe it was redundancy. I don't know. Maybe to see if he was going to call someone else. It's weird. This is set up like it's a problem that ends up not being a problem ends up not ever coming yeah back. it's weird <laughs> no one ever talks about it again because again they have they they have like multiple ways to monitor the dude in the hospital no one else is there they have quarantined this man yeah. so why they thought they needed to bug this guy's home phone is very strange to me and also why would he call his son on the home phone why wouldn't he call his like cell phone or a burner like i don't understand why they're bugging the son when they have complete control over the man on the boat yeah i don't know so it seems like a waste either. of time yeah and then there's another piece of this that annoys me later on but moving forward back on the boat pierce is kind of having like a little mini breakdown not sure if she can finish this job without just killing aunt Med herself or like totally breaking down she's like basically there are two options for me right now i will either burst into tears or i will fucking murder him 
And Jesse ends up having to kind of like talk her off the ledge. Um, and he gives her a little like tough love, but like with some empathy and reminds us of his devastating backstory. Yeah. And she's like, all right, thanks. And then once again, the second time in this episode, I'm like, are they going to fuck? <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't feel that. I did not feel that. But No, for a little bit, I was like watching the scene. I was like, wait, are we establishing this is a thing? Because like, this is the only thing that can happen now. Unless they finally pull the trigger on Sam and Madeline. <laughs> no, they're best friends. They're platonic best friends yeah. for life. But no, it was just like, oh, I guess, yeah, this is the only... Because, like, <laughs> The Pierce only eligible can... heterosexual pairing. Exactly. Because, like, Pierce can't be a, like, Michael pairing. And she's got to... Like, she's a woman on television, so she needs a man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't get I didn't get that sense from them. I, I just thought it was a yeah. really sweet moment of, like, Jesse being a much but it better was. bedside manner person. Oh, yeah, it was. I love the scene. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. And, like, this is the scene where I was like, fuck, Lawrence Stamuel is giving us 100% of her attention. Oh, 100%. She is doing so good. This is this is really really fun to watch. Um, so speaking of bedside manner, Doctor Penderson has way better bedside manner than Michael Weston ever has in his entire stupid life, and uh, gives Ahmed the bad news that his death is impending. And then Pierce slips him a phone, you know, as a kindness, which they've also bugged, um, telling him to settle his affairs. Bucko, Bucko does, and tells his son exactly where the files are. And I was like, oh great, so they can go get the files, but no, they can't. We'll come back to this. So prison hijinks time. Fee's little bomb sparkler thing seals the doors on a delay so she can get free of it. Basically, there's a spy tip that's like, if you're going to build a bomb, uh, especially one that like you can't be linked to, a time delay device, so in her case, a sparkler, you know, the sparkler has to go all the way down before it lights off, uh, is a good thing because then you're out of the way once shit goes down and nobody, it's harder to tie you to it. Uh, right. And so that happens. Although if I were watching the security camera. Right, exactly. Like... There's... It's not, like... It's not that... It's not rocket science. Yeah. But apparently it's good enough, and everything is fine with this. Regardless, uh, the thing that Anne actually needs time for is she's basically doing a robbery of a lady who had opened up a rival business. Like, somebody else was like, I'll get people stuff, and she's like, no, the fuck you will. I will take all of it. And so that's what she needs the time for, is to do a little robbery. Yeah. You know, to, to monopolize once again her control over the prison economics. And she also seems very satisfied with this transaction. So presumably it will follow that Fee's going to get her information. So then for some reason, we head back to Bermuda. And for some reason, the information that Ahmed told his son, which is like, it's at this place. This is where the files are. Like, go there. Was not enough for Sam and Nate to just go get the stuff themselves, despite the son explicitly saying he wouldn't go get the files until the next morning. So I thought, oh, great. They have time in between to go get the stuff. But no. (laughs) To be fair, though, I think he just says it's like, it's at like this guy's place, but they don't know who that is. Google is free. And they no, have access like... to, like, they could Google, they could cross-reference, they have information. And it's possible that they're trying to, I don't know, that didn't, I kind of thought that that was what they were going to do, too. But when they were following him, I, I had that same thought. But I was like, oh, to be fair, he, he did just kind of say, like, oh, it's at Jeff's. Yeah. And if you don't know who Jeff is, and if they've never mentioned a Jeff they're before. They're spies. They've found harder things or, in the past. Or even if, like, it's a code. 
I don't know or something. I mean, the fact that there wasn't even like a line or two that was like, hey, we stayed up all night. We couldn't figure it out. So we're just going to go with plan B and follow the GPS. Yeah, I think I had the same reaction, but I was just like, no. that It's like some parts of this episode are super detailed and some parts of this episode are not. (laughs) And I'm like, I just want consistency. Ben. Uh, But they do. They track into a boathouse and they're like, oh, smart. You should definitely store like your sensitive shit buy your getaway, you know, stuff. And I was like, yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That tracks. That wasn't a spy tip, but it was useful in episode information. But instead of being able to, like, take him down once the files are out in the open, a group of new boys come into the, ta- into the, pl- the boathouse, and they are Russian, which is in- important later. Um, and so they have a little bit of time to kill because the Russians are like, I need proof of purchase if I'm going to buy this information from you. And so they're, like, you know, doing their thing where they download the files and they look at it on a laptop and everyone holds guns and says weird, like, pseudo-violent things to each other with smiles. And it's a problem because, like... Now they're outgunned. Yeah, they're outgunned. Like, their plan was just that, like, Sam and Nate were gonna just jump these guys. Yeah, just do a little robbery. Can I say really quickly, if it had been mad... Like, I'm, I'm amazed at, like, Michael's lack of concern for Nate at all. Mm-hmm. Like, if it was, like, yeah, because, like... I think it's it had, more he trusts Sam. It's like he's not like he's sending Nate alone. I mean, yeah, but it's also just kind of, like, normally, like, I feel like, especially, like, in situations where it's, like, Madeline, and I know Madeline's different, but it's, or it's, like, someone that, like, Michael really cares about that, like, is not actively a spy. It's, like, always this thing of, like, it's really important to make sure that they're safe or whatever. Michael doesn't ask about Nate. doesn't ask about how Nate's doing. He's not, like... He does not give a shit. He does not give a shit about whether or not Nate makes it out of this alive. I mean, who would, frankly? Who would? <laughs> Not even Nate would. Not even Nate would. So uh, so Sam calls Michael and is like, uh, we have a problem. There are Russians here. We do not have enough guns. Also, remember, my only backup is your brother, and he sucks ass. And Michael's like, he does suck ass. So uh, Michael reveals this new wrinkle to the team, and Pierce is like, I'm done waiting. I'm going to go make a play. And if we had a little more time in the episode, I imagine that they would have kept us in a little bit more of the dark of, like, is Pierce just going to blow up, or is she going to do something smart? But we don't have time for that. We just have, like, a moment where we're like, "Uh uh-oh, what's Pierce going to do? But then she instantly does a really good play where she, um, she, she pretends that there's classified information that they are have been told not to tell Ahmed but because you know he's dying why not he deserves to know she's like I just I thought you should know that you got what it's a man-made virus that you're that you have and it was it's called the St. Petersburg strain and he's like St. Petersburg she's like yeah it's like a Russian strain so I'm really sorry um peace and so she and, she and Michael Whatever leave. you want to do with that information. <laughs> I don't know if it will be relevant to you or not, but it might be. Goodbye. Uh, I'm just a I'm just a poor CDC man's wife. I'm just Jeannie. Yeah. I'm Jeannie Peterson. Or Penderson. I'm Jeannie Penderson, and I approve this message. So, of course, Ahmed instantly calls his son back and is like, hey, you know those Russians that you're selling this information to? I don't know why they're selling the information at this point. I guess to set up the son? I don't know. It's unclear why he's hiding this for so long before just selling it away. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't... We can't get bogged down in these details. We're never going to have an answer. But regardless, he calls his son. His son's like, oh, well, don't worry. I'll tell them you say hi. The son opens fucking fire on the Russians. Russians open fire back on him. Everyone's dead but the son. And now the tables have been turned again. And Sam and Nate uh, successfully overtake him and the data. He then calls Michael. Hey, we're all good. Victory lap. 
confirmed. Back on the boat, Pierce takes her own victory lap, revealing everything, doing her, like, basically good guy villain speech. Yeah. <laughs> to Ahmed, like, we tricked you, you fucking fool. Yeah, like, you, like, it's... You've seen this scene before. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but she gets her catharsis and we're happy yeah. for her. Back in prison, uh, Anne's got info for Fee and promises to smuggle it, smuggle it out to Michael. And speaking of the penultimate scene, not the final scene. I thought this was the final scene, but it wasn't. So the penultimate scene uh, is a very touching emotional moment of Michael finally getting to like visit and see Fee. And Michael is basically crying the entire time, yeah. which is so cute. I... Here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to like explain my reaction to this because, again, I was high for this. <laughs> Yes, please. And so when the scene started, and it starts off really well, like, and like, it's amazing because like Michael comes in, he's like near tears, he's like, we're gonna get you out, and Fee's like, I know, I don't care, I don't want to hear about that, I don't want to talk about that, I just want us to talk, which that and that like genuinely made me cry a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was like on the edge of tears, I was so much on the edge of tears up until he did the <laughs> Irish accent. <laughs> And that's when Fee loses her shit. Like, as soon as... So, like, Michael's crying basically the whole time. Then he pulls out the Irish accent to, like, you know, reminisce about how they met. And then she starts crying. And then I, you know, I think Chris and I probably had the same reaction of, like, oh, no. But I will say, the Irish accent sounds better this time. It's a much better Irish accent than it used to be. I don't know. It sounds the same to me. I think there's some, some key consistency differences that made it better uh, but also well, this is like the best said, scene like, we've two, ever seen it in so that's true yeah it's like and he only says like two lines in it and like at no point in this scene does anyone have to believe that he's actually speaking with an irish accent like right, part it's of more the, of a bit yeah like he's doing a bit uh, and, and it's so funny though because like i was <laughs> genuinely not suspecting it <laughs> and i was like it's not gonna find you it did he's just like just, he's like, I'm thinking about the time where I said the thing I shouldn't have said, and then he puts on the axe. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, and it's God. so sweet. It's the first time I think I've ever seen them just, like, both be in the moment together. Yeah. Not planning, not scheming, not fighting, just, like, being together. And I'm like, I, I love these two so much. I do. This I, is such a good relationship, It and is I love such them. a good relationship. I enjoyed it so much. I And also, Gabrielle Anwar in this scene oh, she's fucking, fucking kills it. I mean, she's been killing it this yeah. whole season. I think she's done a really good job with no, kind totally. of, like, being isolated from a yeah, lot of stuff. Yeah, having to be in her own show, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she's doing fucking great. Yeah. I, I loved it. It was really great. I was also very emotional, uh, but I was taking notes, so I didn't get caught up quite as much. <laughs> but the Irish accent, mm, chef's kiss, incredible. So the actual final scene of the uh, episode is Michael, like, leaving, like, getting all of his stuff. And an inmate's like, hey, sir, you dropped this. And it's, like, a crumpled piece of paper on the ground, and it's the information that he needs. He wrote him a note that was like, hey, someone's trying to kill me. This is all the information I have. Please hurry. And it's um, a one of the prison guards' names and his address. Um, and then that is end of episode, leading us into next episode. Exactly. Which I thought was successful. I was a little sad that we didn't end on the emotional scene, but I think that this makes sense in right. terms of the kind of show that we're in. And it worked for me. And I, I like to see a little bit of, like, in-prison spy tip. Yeah, no, that was really fun. So, uh, speaking of spy tips... Let's talk about some spy tips. Let's talk about some spy tips. Number one, the difference between a drug being called medicine or poison comes down to one thing. Dosage. The recommended amount of prazosin... Prazosin? I think it said prazosin. Prazosin, whatever. Uh, the, my, rec- my job now requires me to say so many medicine names. <laughs> and so I've had to get really good at just, like, looking at a medicine and go, this is probably right. 
So anyways, the, the recommended amount of prazosin will effectively regulate blood pressure, but taking too much will trigger side effects that mimic the symptoms of an extreme viral infection. Once they kick in, instead of doubling down, you'll be falling down. No, I think that's like a joke about them being in a casino. I guess. Instead of doubling down, because he like oh, they, yeah. they dose him in a casino. Oh yeah, I guess it is kind of. Mm -hmm. Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, like, we, we got a specific thing. Yeah. We know what it's supposed to do. We know what it's not supposed to do. Exactly. No, I'll take it. It's a good tip. All right, number two. I don't know if it's a good pun, but it's a good tip. <laughs> well, we're, this isn't the pun patrol. No, it's this not. This is the spy tip section. Number two, one of the easiest... I'm a little sad we didn't end up... We talked a lot about putting the pun patrol in the show. <laughs> Ultimately, we decided it's just one too many things. Exactly. But we'll always regret it. Number two, one of the easiest and most efficient ways to make incendiary devices begins with mixing aluminum powder and plaster of Paris. Once dry, it burns at about 3,000 degrees and can melt solid steel in under a minute. It's also completely stable and safe to store until it's lit, which is important because no one should handle a deadly incendiary device without a good night's sleep. Here's my question. I feel like lots of times on this show, they talk around explosives. Is that just an exp Could we do that? That seems like a Should thing. we do a Burn Notice Mythbusters podcast? <laughs> Where we Because it seems like, it seems like that was, it made it sound like that's all you, I mean, like, I'm sure it's about, like, ratios and mm -hmm. stuff, and like. That's more specific than we've ever gotten. I mean, but also, feel... again, it's not an explosion. It's like, it's a, it's like basically a. It's an incendiary, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a quick melting device. Right. Maybe that's, like, better. I don't know. If we had a Patreon, we could totally, like, hire an explosives expert and do some of this spy stuff and be like, is this enough? Our fucking, like, burn notice Mythbusters episode. Yeah. Right. That would be very fun. I bet oh. we could. I could put that together. I believe in us that we could do that. If we had money to do that. Exactly. If, money to, like, focus on it. It's exactly. Not even, and, like, maybe hire an expert. Right, yeah. All I'm saying is, if you guys want to give us money, I'll throw you a PayPal link. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think a Patreon is going to make sense at this At this point. juncture, yeah. Yeah, at this point, but... We got, like, a Patreon for the last season. Hey, you never know. It wouldn't be mu It wouldn't take much to make us at least break even in terms of expenses. That's true. You know, then you wouldn't have to spend 15 bucks a month hosting yeah. the stupid thing. Right, of course. But that's neither here nor there. Number three on the spy tips list. Hiding trackers and accessories is a go-to trick for spies. Jewelry and watches are attractive options, but there's always a risk they'll clash with the target's outfit and get left at home. On the other hand, a tracker the target believes might save his life is always in fashion. I like this. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the reasons that I like this... Why? Is that it controls for the kind of thing that, like, this show and other shows like it kind of just skip over because mm -hmm. um, a lot of times and um, when you have like a plan where everything has to go exactly right like the writers are often underestimating the amount of things that have to go exactly right mm -hmm. and like so this accounts for a thing where it's just like what if someone doesn't put the watch on right which like i feel like in a worse episode of burn notice they just would have the person just would have put the watch on. Mm -hmm. Or they would have to, like, convince him to put the watch on. Exactly. Like, hey, remember to wear the watch tonight. Right. All the investors are going to look for it. It's a status symbol. Wear it. Exactly. And it's like, well, what if he doesn't, though? It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is, like, a much more certain thing. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought that was useful. Yeah. Uh, number four, gram staining is a method of testing for the presence of certain types of bacteria. Positive results turn purple. Negative results turn pink. If you need a positive result in a gram test, there is no need to bring a lethal microorganism. A little yogurt will do the job. Of course, no matter what color a slide turns, nothing sells scary like a big reaction. 
Again, that was cool. And they used yogurt. Yogurt science. Yogurt science. You have to love it. It's very good. You have to love it. You have to. It's the law. Number five, sabotage is best done in private when no one is around to see it. If you don't have that luxury, you have to take certain precautions. It's inc- it's crucial to conceal the real reason for your movement so people don't get suspicious. It's also a good idea to use time delay devices so when the fun starts, you'll be nowhere near it. Uh, the fact that it has the second, the other part, the like, you have to conceal the real reason for your movement. So like, she basically followed the guards. Like, yeah. hey, I need a new blanket. Why won't you give me a new blanket? And then she like kind of petulantly kind of like hits the door and yeah. then leaves it there and lights it. Obviously, again, I think are... this is a little borderline, it's but I like the episode and I'm willing to keep it. Yeah. It's good enough. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things in here that are yeah, like, yeah. it's worth keeping in mind. Um, exactly. All right. Well, number six, the final spy tip that I thought was worthy of talking about. A successful ambush can end a battle before it ever begins. To pull one off, you need two key factors, the element of surprise and superior positioning. The best staging areas offer a clear view of your target while providing plenty of cover for you. Of course, it doesn't matter how good your position is if you're the one that gets surprised, blah, blah, blah. This seems this... like it's more useful than it actually ends up being as I read yeah. it out loud. No, yeah. I feel like... This is one of those... I wish they'd given us a little more from yeah. the staging area bit. Like, this is one of those burn notice spy tips where, like, they say a thing that sounds like, in order to do, like, in order to do a successful thing, you need to have smarts. <laughs> yeah, you need to be an expert in the thing and also have a pen. <laughs> exactly. Or, yeah, but not even, like, wherein, like, there's a level of abstractness removed from it where it's, like, it's not telling you that you how to be good at things. It's mm-hmm. telling you that you need to be good at things. Right. And it's like... That's maybe, fair. Yeah. Maybe you didn't know that you needed to be good at this thing, but how do I do that? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless, that's five. So we do have at least five practical spy tips. So we get that. I think that's the first episode this season that's had at least five practical spy wow. tips. And there were, there were ten total. So cutting it down to five still gave us a lot of stuff to, you know, work through. Um, was the episode solved with spycraft over violence? Oh, definitely. 100%. Very spycraft heavy episode on every level. Every oh, yeah. All of the three primary plots that we were following had fun different elements of spycraft. Like the spy tips came from all three plots, not just the Michael one. Right, exactly. Which yeah. I feel like is rarer. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, was there an alias? Dr. George Penderson, CDC. There was. Did we like him? I mean, he wears beige and has pretty decent bedside manner and practiced his his science speak real good. He did practice his science speak real good. I think getting to see him build the George Penderson alias helped helped a lot. And also, they definitely were doing something specific with his outfits. Yeah. The, like, fedora tan suit, the tan cardigan, like... He's going for a look. Yeah. Now, that how, how different that look is from Michael Weston's normal look is something we could argue for days about. But, but I, it was specific. It yeah. was a look. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it was a complete alias. Yeah, I think it was. And so, it's been a while. It's been a, even longer since we've had an alias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We have not had an alias in a while because it's been like Michael Weston against Anson who knows everything about him. Exactly. And then before that, Larry Sizemore. And before that, Brennan. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like it's just been Michael as himself, and it was fun to get him to dress up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Are at least two supporting characters used well? Does Fee get to blow something up slash get to be protagonist? She kind of does both. She like, kind of does both? Yeah, like there's enough of this like plot line. I mean, okay, it's tough because she's not the protagonist of this episode. No. But like she has 
but she's kind of the protagonist of her own show right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, because it is so separate yeah. from Michael and Co. Like, it, it gets less separate next week when now they know that, like, someone's trying to kill Fee. We can't just, like, try yeah. to get her out of prison. We also need to keep her safe while she's there. But this episode, she very much was in her own show and, like, previously. Yeah, no, I think that works. And also she got to blow something up in prison. But she also did get to blow something up in prison where it's very hard to blow something up. Mm-hmm. Although they did do fire last week. There's a lot of fire in this prison. Yeah. Like, a lot more... A lot more fire than I expected from a prison. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, you know, they've, they've got not a lot of funding. It's a woman's yeah. prison. Nobody really cares. Yeah. Uh, okay. Does Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? Um, I don't know. I mean, he got to be Chuck Finley. Got be Chuck Finley, which usually That's is our true. rule. He got to say talk about Michael's butt. He did do that. He got he. There was a little moment where when they're heading in for the show, the final showdown, he has like a really big gun and he gives Nate just like a revolver. <laughs> Yeah, no, he gives okay. him a handgun and, and Sam gets a much bigger gun. And like, there is a look exchanged where it's like, yes, I know what this looks like. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take there's it. There's enough. Uh, is Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? He had to do his Jesse stuff. He and did. he also had that really good scene with Fee. Uh, you mean with uh, or Lauren with Samuel? Lauren Samuel being <laughs> Fee. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he, he, got to, he got to be Jesse. Exactly. Yeah, no, totally. I think Jesse did great. And then did Madeline either get a genuine emotional moment with another character or get to do the case of the week? She got to do the case of the week. She got to do the case of the week. This is like a full on. This is a four, 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 four. Exactly. This is a perfect score. This is not just a great episode of Burn Notice. This is a great episode of Burn Notice. Exactly. This is like, yeah, this is. The platonic ideal. It really is. Good job, Ben Watkins. It's also the first great episode of Burn Notice the entire season so far. Right. We are only in episode three, so we're like... I know, but like still. It did feel like real Burn Notice classic in a good way. The show has been like changing a lot and trying out a bunch of different things, and that's really good, and that like helps. But I think that actually really helps because it allows them to get to this point where they can refocus on and, and do the classic Burn Notice thing, like but much wiser. Mm-hmm. Having like, learned what they have in exactly. the previous stuff. Integrating it all into this... like. Really good burn notice episode. So with that, it being the platonic ideal of a burn notice episode, was it a great episode of television? I don't know. Um, You could convince me. And I would have said the same thing to you. Like, there are drops in the logic that I feel like would have been super easy fixes. Again, logic, I'm saying logic as a, a holdover. Like, there are there are certain inconsistencies that would have been fixed with, like, two lines of dialogue or just tweaking the existing lines of dialogue. Like, I feel like with another pass on the draft that was just, like, a little bit more thoughtful, I think I would have been 100%, like, coming down swinging. But I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed it. I think, for me, it's a thing that, like, it's trying to do so many things that, like, it doesn't quite feel like it gets to focus on a thing enough. Like, this is, like... Like, I think a thing that could have made it, like, a great episode of television for me would be, like, if it was a little bit more a Pierce episode, maybe. Sure. Like, and it felt like it had, like, a thematic thing that it was doing. I was going to say, the thematic thing would have probably solidified it. Because if you're going to do three plots, there's got to be something bigger that connects them. And we have seen that from them before. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And so it's not quite doing that. Yeah. It's, like... 
it's not doing something to, ju- to justify its existence beyond it's fun to do burn notice. Yeah, I feel like if this was an episode that had been done when Fee was not in prison and they could just focus on Bermuda and Cruz. Yeah. And like, th- you know, they got a little more time with each of those plots to let us explore things and maybe have a consistent theme. Right, yeah. I think that would have done it. I think the addition of the Fee stuff, which was great, just made everything else cramped. yeah. And, that like, there was a lot of really good setups, and, like, the plot follows through, but, like, emotionally, it was a little all over the place. Right, yeah. I think so, too. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a great episode of television, but it's pretty close, and definitely mm-hmm. the best episode of Burn Notice that we've had in a while. Definitely. In, by that metric. By that metric, certainly. This is the in the first in four. Actually, funny enough, the last great episode of Burn Notice was a, it was a Ben Watkins episode. It was the I'm penultimate you, of last season. I'm telling you, Benny knows what he's doing. Yeah, but this is this is one of the best like episodes yeah. of television he's written too. Oh yeah, totally. Ben Watkins also had a great episode of television he usually two does. seasons ago. Yeah. I don't know if Ben Watkins has ever had a bad episode of Burn Notice. Oh no, he has. In season three, there was an episode that we gave nothing to. It was an, it's an episode of television. At season three, episode twelve. Season three was a a lot. There was a lot going on in season three. There was a lot. I feel going like it on. was very much a transition period yeah. from like early burn notice to like the burn notice that is the mature burn notice yeah. that we're seeing now. No, the, I've been thinking a lot about because I've spent a lot of time lately like watching Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And the thing about like Star Trek shows is that the first two seasons usually suck. Okay. And how, and thinking about how like we don't allow that anymore. No, it's such a shame too. And like, but the thing of like, but also. And I think on a more modern television landscape, the best episodes, like the best seasons of a show tend to be two and three. Mm-hmm. But like the best seasons of a Star Trek show are usually like four and five. And like, that's kind of what we're in right now. We're like kind of, we're in that period. It's the same thing with like X-Files or something. I would say like, I'd say that best seasons of x the best seasons of X-Files might be three and four or something. I don't know. But like, like the kind of high point of the, of a show has moved earlier in the show's lifespan than it used to be when we made television in a more old way. Mm-hmm. We, we let it sprawl. We let it yeah, find itself. Exactly. We let it grow up naturally. Yeah. But also, like, they had to make more of the show so they had, like, less time to, like, focus in. So, like, they were more likely to find things that they were good at accidentally. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, it's, it's just it's a whole different vibe. And I I think I do miss that. I miss filler episodes. Because sometimes filler episodes were really lovely. Oh, yeah, totally. By the way, like, speaking of Star Trek and, like, loving filler episodes, if you're, like, someone who, like, likes Star Trek but for whatever reason has not watched Lower Decks yet, watch Lower Decks. It's really good. It's really funny. And it loves Star Trek. I feel like you said that last time, too. I know. I feel like you've mentioned this in multiple Burn Notice episodes at this point. Watch Lower Decks. It's been a while since we recorded, I and I want to say it again. Okay. Well, watch Lower Decks if you like Star Trek and for some reason haven't seen it yet. Yes. And until next time, thank you again to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can find more of Vince at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until then, next week, whenever, bye. It's good Star Trek. Star <laughs> Trek.